Good morning, church. What more can we say but, or other than, God is good. Yeah, we sure love our God. We're thankful to Him for blessing us. And here we are today, worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. And He's responding to our worship. So thank God for His precious gift of love. Let's go to God in prayer, please. A righteous Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We do praise you. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for all that you've done and for all that you do and for all that you will do. Thank you for blessing us this morning to be able to arise from our beds of slumber, to assemble to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable unto thee. Thank you for Jesus, your great son who died on that cruel cross of Calvary that we might live. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. And thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we do pray. To be thy will. Amen. The son of righteousness. We're going to begin in Malachi chapter 4 this morning. He shall rise. Verse 1 says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogance and every evildoer will be chafed. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. Jesus is that one the Bible speaks of as the Son of Righteousness, the S-U-N of Righteousness. And this is in contrast uh, to the proud and, and the arrogant. Psalm 84 speaks to God in, in a way that helps us understand that God is the light. He is the only light that we'll ever need. He's not just the light. He's the everlasting light. Jesus Christ, the righteous. The Bible says, beginning in verse 9, Behold our shield, O God, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For the day in thy courts is better than a thousand outside. I'd rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. You've got to love that verse, right? Just one day with God, right? Just one day. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God is good. We serve a righteous God who illuminates not just the world, but illuminates us in a way that righteousness always prevails. John chapter 8, please. John chapter 8, and the verse is 12. We find that God is that light. He is the only light that we need. John 8 and verse 12, the Bible says, Again, therefore, Jesus spoke to them, saying, 
I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Isn't it amazing? We we'll turn to Isaiah chapter 60. How long many of us try to live life without God? Try to do it on our own. We, we thought that we had all the answers. And, and it's not until that day that we met Jesus that we were able to surrender ourselves to him. He is that light. He is that message of truth delivered from the Father down to us. And in Psalm 60, and the verses 19, the Bible reads, No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light. But you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your glory. The sun. We need the while on the earth. Revelation, please, chapter 22. We need the illumination of the sun to bring life, to sustain life on the earth. We need God. And God represents and is life. And without God, there is no life. Think about that for just a moment. I mean, spiritually speaking, holistically speaking, body, soul, and spirit. We need to satisfy our soul and our spirit through this relationship with our God. Revelation chapter 22, beginning of verse 1. And he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And then verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The Messiah. I want us to be thinking, just for a moment, I want us to begin thinking about the Son of Righteousness. I want us to think about and understand the text. The Son has the amazing amount of heat that can burn things up. But Jesus says, I'm not just the Son, but I'm also the one who has healing. And I want you to think about the choice. And we're going to get to the choice at the end where, where there's the consuming fire. Jesus. And then there's the healer. Whom will you meet on Judgment Day? I'm going to come back to that one in just, just a moment. Isaiah chapter 1, please. The healing is necessary from the Son of Righteousness because of the sin sickness in the world. And we could make this more personal, the sin sickness in our own lives. And sin is not a sickness as if it's a disease. It's a choice. And God cautions us to stay away from that choice, to choose sin over God, to love my sin 
more than I love God, to replace God with my sin. Verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reign of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, king of Judah. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons, I have reared and brought up. For they have revolted against me. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master, manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. You ever wondered if God was thinking the same thing about us today? He goes on to say, A last sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, Sons who act corruptly, they have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. Where will you be stricken again? And you, continue in your rebellion. The whole head is sick. And the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there's, there's nothing sound. Wait, is he talking about us? Let me go back and read that because I'm more. Are you talking about me, Lord? Yes. Verse 5. Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises welts and raw wounds not pressed out or bandaged nor not softened with oil the world needs healing Israel needed healing Judah needed healing the Gentiles needed healing I need healing and you need healing. You see, this, this thing called sin is, is devouring us. It is destroying us as individuals, as a, as a nation, as a church, as a people. And we love it so. Luke, please, chapter 5. We need the healing power of Jesus. But even though we have the healing power of Jesus, let us not take it for granted. Shall we continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. May it never be. At some point in our lives, church, we have to see sin for what it really is. It's terrible. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 30, the Bible says, and the Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax gatherers and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus, with healing in his wings, has come to save us to heal us, to transform us. 
But so many are unwilling. So many, so many rebel against God to this day and refuse to be healed. Jeremiah asked the question through, by way of inspiration, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician? Jesus is the only physician, church, who can heal our sin-sick souls. Why would I put Jesus as last or maybe third or fourth or wherever on my list? Why would he not be number one always? So we've looked at Jesus in every book of the Old Testament. We started right there in Genesis and we saw over and over and over again the sin sickness of the world. But Jesus has come to the rescue. See, that's how Malachi closes it out for us. That Jesus, the son of righteousness, has healing in his wings for all that sin. All that sin going backwards to Genesis. Jesus had the healing power to forgive and to erase their sins. And then it goes forward into the New Testament days. And Jesus has a healing power to forgive those sins. And then it comes all the way to us. And Jesus is the only one who has the power to heal us. And then it goes beyond us. And the same answer over and over again is it's only Jesus. Why wouldn't he be number one on my list? Jesus. Revelation, please. Revelation. Chapter... uh, Chapter 1. The Bible opens up with Jesus. The Bible closes with Jesus. And our lives, our lives have to be the same. It has to open with Jesus and let it close with Jesus. In Revelation 1, beginning at verse 7, the Bible says, Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over Him. Even so, Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And the Almighty in the book of Revelation, the end, is the same Almighty in the prophetic book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. Jesus, you you just cannot get around Jesus. Let it never be said or thought of in our lives that we have tried to live our lives without Jesus. And if you've been trying to do that, let today be the last day. Isaiah 9 and verse 6, the Bible says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and of his kingdom, or over his kingdom, to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Jesus, the son of righteousness. Turn to Malachi chapter 3. Jesus is revealed in the book of Malachi as God's messenger of of truth, bringing two things, bringing fire and bringing healing. 
Now, while we're alive, the fire is to rid us of all of the impurities that are found within the hearts of men. Listen to what he says. Malachi 3, beginning at verse 1. Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller soap. And he will sit as a smelter and purify, purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Now, I keep bringing up Levi as the text mentions him because we are God's priests today. And God sits like the silversmith who, who puts the silver over the fire and he leaves it there and he watches it and he leaves it there and he watches it until he sees his own reflection. And only then does he remove it. And that is what God is trying to do for us while we're alive. He leaves us over the fire until he sees his reflection. Until we become the reflection of God. And that true transformation happens in our lives. Where we become like Jesus. Where we walk away from sin sickness. Where we turn our backs against sin and evil and we only focus on God. And listen to what he says in Hebrews 10. In Hebrews 10, it, it opens up talking about the greatness of God and then it continues on and it brings it down, it channels it down to us. And it says to us, down in verse 26, for if we go on sinning willfully, That's what God doesn't want us to do. You know right from wrong. I know right from wrong. We know what the Bible says. How long are we going to go against God? How long are we going to walk in arrogance and pride? How long are we going to fight what we know to be right and what we know to be true? Jesus says by way of inspiration to the Hebrew writer, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sin a sacrifice for sin. Wow, wait a minute. No longer a sacrifice. If I go on, there's a point where God says, enough is enough. You do know that, right? We all know that, right? Where God says in Romans 1, I'll just turn you over. If this is what you really want, and this is the way you really want to live, I'll turn you over. Isn't that scary? Go back in the old book, in the Old Testament. You know how many times Jesus, how many times God turned people over? He gives you everything. He's the son of righteousness. Everything we need to live and sustain ourselves physically. And he says, I love you. And I'm showing you how much I love you. Can you love me back just a little bit? Stay away from sin. But if you go on sinning willfully, it's a scary verse. And it doesn't end there. The son of righteousness. Who are you going to meet on judgment day? The son of fire or the son of healing? If we go on sinning willfully, verse 27, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment 
and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Okay? Watch him take it to another level. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? Well, how are we doing that, Lord? By sinning willfully. Has trampled underfoot the Son of God and is regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace. See, it's not just verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some. It's not just forsaking worship. It's life as a whole that we insult the spirit of grace. Hebrews 6, we openly crucify Jesus a second time. The Bible says afresh. We trample underfoot the God of salvation, the Son of God. Because of sin. Because of our choices. All we have to choose, do is choose righteousness. Choose God. Choose God first. Choose God. Now, how many of us struggle with that? And on what level do we struggle with that? Choose God. We all struggle with that, right? Sometimes, sometimes we're stronger, other times we're weaker. Sometimes we're just weak and we don't want to be strong. You just got to choose God. You got to make him number one, church. This is what we've been looking at through the whole Bible. We looked at Genesis. We're, We're now in Malachi. We're closing out this whole lesson series. And what was the answer every time? You just got to choose God. And man, for some reason, thinks we don't need him and thinks that we can put him last on the list. And that even in Malachi, that God has to accept what we offer. And he says, you know, you offer that despicable sacrifice to your governor, Malachi chapter 1. Don't give it to me. Don't bring me the sick and the lame. Don't give me what's left. Give me what's first. Wow. Because that's what I gave you. It's all... From Genesis to Revelation. It's the same message over and over and over and over again. And Malachi closes it out with saying, you know, the Son of Righteousness is coming. Can you stand before that great and terrible day of the Lord? The old law is no more. Now we're in the last days. This is it. This is it. All those who have died and have not made it to heaven. This is it. And all those who have died and have made it. I know we're talking about paradise and Tartarus. I understand that. But you get the point. This is it. When I stand before God, I'm either going to stand and be condemned even with all that rich grace, or I'm going to stand 
and be saved because of his rich grace. But it all comes back to the choices that I made on the earth. It all comes back to today, church. Right now. And the great thing about God is, it, it doesn't have to be yesterday. I can repent today. I can be baptized into Christ today, and yesterday is no more. Or I can continue. Listen to what it goes on to say. Verse 30. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. And then it gets really scary. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's not the picture I get when I look on television or look through email. I just see beauty. No, no, the Bible says it's a terrifying thing. Reminds me of Exodus chapters 19 and 20 when God gave the law on the mountains and pills of thunder and fire and the mountains were shaking and it was a terrifying day. And they were standing before God and they said, Oh, Moses, don't let God talk to us. You talk to us for him. And here it is again, consistently. It's in the New Testament. It was in the Old Testament. God wants us to surrender. Hebrews 12, verse 28. It says, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. And so the inference there is that there is an unacceptable, there is the unacceptable but we're to offer to God what is acceptable, an acceptable service. And then verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. The sun, S-U-N, of righteousness. Back to Malachi, please. We'll begin to wrap this whole thing up and tie it up in a, hopefully a, a nice way that helps us to understand what God asks of us. Here's what you get to decide. The power is in your hands. Isn't that great? God is so amazing, isn't he? I'm going to give you the power. Here, look, I'm going to do everything that needs to be done to save you. I have all the healing you'll ever need. I'll remove all of your sins. I'll take care of it all. You get to choose. You choose whether to serve me in obedience and acceptable sacrifices that are made, or you get to choose not to. It's up to you. Regardless, I'm going to still bless you. For the sun, Matthew 5, rises on the good and the evil. I'm going to still provide water and bread. I'm going to take care of you. But in the end, when you stand before me, you get to decide which God you're going to meet. There's only one God, but which side? Right? The one that says, Depart from me. Your work was of iniquity, and I don't even know who you are. In fact, it says in Matthew 7, I never knew you. Or the one who says, Enter into my rest, ye good and faithful servant. You get to decide. We, we all, we get to make the choice. What decision are you going to make? Malachi 3 and verse 7. From the days of your... Fathers, 
you've turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Did you not read? You wonder sometimes these folks have been paying attention. It's the same message. Repent. Repent and God will forgive you. It's the same message. How are we going to return to God? Turn your life around. Repent. Come back to me. And God will forever accept you. It's never too late. It's never too late. And in verse 16, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him. For those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. And they'll be mine, says the Lord of hosts. And on the day that I prepare my own possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between one who, the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. But if you'll serve me, God says, I'll take you back. It's pretty simple. This thing is easy. You go, wow, there's never been anything easier than what God has given to us. And God says, I'll remember it. Revelation 20, and we'll close out. Revelation 20, chapter 20. It's the same message over and over and over and over. The same refrain over and over and over again. God looks down on man. Man finds himself in sin. Man rebels against God. God says, hey, don't do that. God sends prophets, preachers, teach. He sends everything to you to save you, rescue you, turn your life around. Some listen and some do not. Some rebel and some repent. The ones who repent, what does God do? Over and over and over again, he forgives, he forgives, he forgives, he forgives, he forgives, and he forgets, and he forgets. He forgives, and he forgets, and he forgives, and he forgets, and he forgives, and he forgets. But there's coming a time when he will no longer forgive, and he will not forget. And that's the day of our death. Because the way you've lived your life is the way you'll stand before God. You're either one with him now, or you're not. You get to make that choice. Right? There was a book in the Old Testament, a book of remembrance of some, in some, figuratively, right? There's another one in the New Testament, figuratively. And the point that God makes is, whether you were under the old law, back in the days of Malachi, say 400 B.C., or even prior back to Adam, or whether you're under the new law, beginning in 33 AD, where Jesus established his church, and forevermore, you want to make sure you have your name written in that book. Revelation 20 and verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according 
to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, it was thrown into the lake of fire. It's almost like God gave you an ink pen and said, go on and put your name in there. Well, how, how, God, do I get my name? How do I become a member of your, of your kingdom, of your church? You, you hear his word, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's simple. You, then after you hear it, you decide what you're going to do with it. You, you believe it or not. Well, to become a member, you believe it. John 8, 24, I tell you, nay, unless you believe that I'm he, you will die in your sins. And then you, you repent. You do something with what you believe. You turn your life around. You have this godly sorrow in your heart, Luke 13, 3. I tell you, nay, unless you repent, you'll perish. Again, in verse 5, in other places. And then you make a confession. You don't confess all your sins. You can't remember all of your sins. Just confess his name. Matthew 5. Right? Jesus says, If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who is in heaven. But if you deny me, I'll deny you. And then you get baptized. Immersed in water for the remission of your sins. All through the scriptures. Why? Carriest thou. Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord, Acts 22 and verse 16. Be baptized for the remission of your sins, Acts 2.38. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 3.21 is not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but it's an appeal to God. It's your first real prayer. It's an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the resurrection of of Jesus Christ. It just goes on and on and on. And then he tells us to go out and tell the world about Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the remission of their sin. That's what we're supposed to do. If you remember the church already, you just repent. Godly sorrow. You just repent when you find yourself out of that relationship with him. This has been repeated. Baptism, not in the Old Testament, New Testament. But the repeated message of God over and over again is repent or perish. It's just that simple. The lesson is yours. If there's something we can do for you, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come?